0: Hey, toppers, don't forget that if you hop on over to audibletrial.com forward slash turn of phrases, you can get a free audiobook download and 30 days free trial on Audible. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from that you can download to your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Not only will you get that free book and free month on Audible, but you'll be helping to support the podcast. And did I mention, it's free. So again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash turnofphrases for a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. Please listen carefully. Hello, Toppers, and welcome to episode 11 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. If this is your first time stopping by or you're back for more etymology, I'm ever so glad you're here. Today's theme is all about horseplay. Yep, we're going to explore phrases with the word horse in them. First, we'll see why you shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth. Then we'll find out if straight from the horse's mouth really is the best source. After that, we'll look into the idiom if wishes were horses beggars would ride before getting off our high horse and figuring out why we shouldn't put the cart before the horse. Finally, we'll wrap up with hold your horses for the metaphorical moment. And then after that, I have a new segment I want to introduce. So come on, toppers, saddle up and let's race through these phrases, origins, history, and more. To begin with, the idiom don't look a gift horse in the mouth means that when someone gives you a gift, you shouldn't be ungrateful. But what is a gift horse, and why would you want to look into its mouth anyway? Well, it's exactly what it sounds like, a horse given as a gift, and looking into the mouth has to do with checking the health of horses. Basically, as a horse ages, its teeth will change in a somewhat predictable way, so looking at a horse's teeth i.e. in its mouth, can help you determine the health and subsequent value of a horse. So if someone gives you a horse as a gift and you immediately examine its teeth, it's pretty bad form because it's like you're trying to decide if the gift is good enough. The practice of examining a horse's teeth to see how healthy it is before making a purchase is an old one. And this idiom is old as well. John Haywood, a writer I talked about in episode 6, used a version of this idiom in the same book I talked about in that episode, a dialogue containing the number and effect of all the proverbs in the English tongue. As a refresher, he wrote that around 1547. Here's the proverb he recorded. Quote, Where gifts be given freely, east, west, north, or south, no man ought to look a given horse in the mouth. End quote. Now, since we know that Heywood was merely compiling proverbs, not writing them, he had to get this one from somewhere and It's believed he got it from St. Jerome, who is best known for his translation of much of the Bible into Latin around four hundred a d in his text, "The Letter to the Ephesians." Jerome wrote the following, which I'll do my best to pronounce: "Nole eque dentes in spicere de norte. End quote. Whether or not I pronounced that correctly, it translates to never inspect the teeth of a given horse. Now that we're done looking into the horse's mouth, let's get straight into the next idiom. To get something straight from the horse's mouth means you're getting it from the highest authority. But where did this idiom come from? Well, it originates from the world of horse racing, specifically the betting aspect of it. In order to be able to make what would hopefully be a smarter bet, people would try to get as much information about the horses in the race as they possibly could. And who has the best information about how the horse is acting and feeling, and therefore how well it might perform in the upcoming race? Well, that would be the horse, of course, but since they can't speak, the bettors look for the next best thing. The people who work directly with the horses. Typically, that would be the trainers, stable workers, maybe even jockeys, etc. The idiom is meant to imply that you are getting the information from the horse itself because those people know the horse so well. This is backed up by the first known use in print from a May 1913 copy of the Syracuse Herald from New York. It stated, quote, I got a tip yesterday, and if it wasn't straight from the horse's mouth, it was jolly well the next thing to it. End quote. Now, let's look into a more wishful idiom. If wishes were horses, beggars would ride means that if a simple wish could make things happen, then even people with nothing would have everything they wanted. This proverbial idiom can be traced back to at least the early 17th century. William Camden, the English historian, collected his notes on English and classic history and published them as a book called The Remains of a Greater Work Concerning Britain. In this book he included the following proverb quote, If wishes were thrushes, then beggars would eat birds. End quote. I know a bird isn't a horse, but there were several versions of this idiom when it started showing up. For example, another one I found was If Wishes Were Butter Cakes, Beggars Might Bite, which sounds like the most delicious option, in my opinion. But no matter the exact version you want to use, it's definitely been around for a while. Now let's climb on up to the next idiom. When you ask someone to get off of their high horse, you're typically asking them to quit being haughty or self-righteous. Why does this request have anything to do with horses, though? Well, to figure that out, we need to go back to medieval times. The actual high horses were simply large horses, and the people on them were people who could afford large horses. Since they had plenty of money, they tended to think pretty highly of themselves. Around 1380, John Wycliffe wrote in English works, Ye emperor made him and his cardinals ride in reed on high horse, end quote. As time went on, soldiers, political leaders, and other rich people continued to enjoy riding around on tall horses dressed in fancy garb in order to make themselves look like bigger, better, and more important people. We know this thanks to Admiral Sir Thomas Paisley's private sea journals, which he wrote in 1782, and they were made public in 1931. In these, he wrote, "...whether Sir George will mount his high horse or be over-civil to Admiral Pagot seems even to be a doubt with himself." Nowadays, this idiom is used more to make fun of people for the way they're acting or point out their selfishness, not actually to refer to people on actual horses. Now let's take a look at when people started warning about putting carts before horses. The meaning of this idiom is to reverse the logical order of things. I didn't find a ton of information about this one, but it is at least as old as the first century BC. Cicero wrote in On Friendship, quote, We put the cart before the horse and shut the stable door when the steed is stolen, in defiance of the old proverb, End quote. If he was already calling it old at that time, this idiom has definitely been around for a good long while. Much later, but still a long time ago, in 1589, George Puttenham wrote The Art of English Poesy. In it, he said, quote, have another manner of disordered speech, when ye misplace your words or clauses and set that before which should be behind. We call it in English proverb, the cart before the horse. The Greeks call it, hysterin proteron, we name it, the preposterous. End quote. That's about all I found on this one, so with that, let's move on to this week's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. Now, the meaning of hold your horses is pretty self-explanatory. It means to be patient or to wait. So how did horses come into play? Well, it's not too complicated. When you pull back on the reins of a horse, they stop. So you can make them wait by holding them back with the reins. But how did this normal, everyday action become a metaphor? Well, we have the written word of popular writers to thank for that, and it goes back to at least the 8th century BC. In Book 23 of the Iliad, Homer used hold your horses when referring to the chariot race in which Antilochus drove a bit crazy in. It shows up in America around 1844 in a New Orleans paper called the Picayune, with the following quote, Oh, hold your hosses, squire. There's no getting riled up, no how. End quote. In case you're not aware, hosses is a slang word for horses, especially in early American times. I'm gonna have to pull back on the reins now, because that's all I got on this. Okay, toppers, it's time to introduce you to my new segment. I found this old book called Familiar Quotations, a collection of passages, phrases, and proverbs traced to their sources in ancient and modern literature. I personally came across a copy of the 11th edition, but here's an excerpt from the preface of the first edition that was released. The object of this work is to show, to some extent, the obligations our language owes to various authors for numerous phrases and familiar quotations, which have become household words. This book is basically a print version of my podcast, because it's all about the origins of quotes and phrases that people would have been using around the time this book was released. So I thought, hey, it's kind of like an old-timey version of what I'm doing, and it has tons of cool old quotes and phrases and proverbs in it. So here's what I'm going to do with this new segment. I'm going to open this book that is over 1,100 pages long, not counting the index. I'm going to pick a quote at random, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to simply call this new segment Familiar Quotations, because if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. So without further ado, here's the first ever Familiar Quotations. I'm opening the book. Let's see what we got here. I'm putting my finger down. Alright, it landed on Thomas Augustine Daly, an excerpt from his work, Ballad of the Tempting Book L'Envoy, and it says, quote, Kind reader, here's a tip for you. Go buy, though skinny be your purse, and other books of yours be few, the Oxford Book of English Verse, end quote. (laughs) Okay, so the very first one we get is a man telling us to go buy a book. Alright, so that's it for the first ever Familiar Quotations. We'll be doing that every week just to get some cool random quotes and proverbs. Even I'm not going to know what it is till I flip open the book and read it right here as I record. So that should be fun for all of us. Okay, toppers, that's going to be the end of episode 11. Thank you for joining me again to Turn Some Phrases. I hope you had fun and learned something along the way. Head over to Phrases on Twitter to connect to me and fellow language lovers. You can also send me topic suggestions through the website or email, which is brisky at My show notes will have all my other social media, contact information, and my sponsor information. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review. A five-star rating and a quick review are the best way you can help me in the podcast out, and it will only take you, well, as long as it takes you to write the review. (laughs) Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thank you again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, don't horse around too much. Yo, toppers! If you're enjoying my non-fiction work here on the podcast, you might enjoy my fiction work as well. I have a novel and a children's book that you can get off Amazon and help support the podcast at the same time. I'll put a link in the show notes for you to check them out.